as he does, because we are, as all listeners of the podcast know, we're addressing you now. Um, we are no, close personal not, friends this, with Matt this, Barry. There's not going to be in it. This definitely needs to at least be at the very end. This is so boring. This is not this interesting. Is perfect. This, this is, is not interesting. No. <sighs> it's only interesting because you're not bringing your A game. Because you started this off saying, oh, I'm C, I'm C game Sean. I've already decided. It's just, no, it's not that I, it's not that I started C game. I'm just distracted is all. Jesus Christ. Folks, today Sean found out he devoured two of his own twins in the womb. It's been a rough day for him. I guess I would make him triplets. They're both like inside of him currently. Like they, they, they literally are still alive. They've been alive for 27 <laughs> years inside my stomach. And all the doctors have not actually noticed it. And But they finally did like this like scan. And they said, hey, Sean, um, are you pregnant? Uh, you're a man. I want. I can't be pregnant just because I'm fat. Full grown men living under your skin. I'm not. I'm not Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they went no, but like oh oh. And then they figured out. They did the deduction and figured out it was just my my brothers. You know, so uh, they're gonna come out. um, We're gonna cut them out, and they're gonna look like really just like a big deformed mess, both of them. But we're gonna better better looking than you. But but we're gonna put them like robot machines. They don't think they have the they have the ability to talk. So we're gonna have to like Stephen Hawking brothers. (laughs) <laughs> this is this is exactly what happens at the Venture end of Brothers. season one of Venture Brothers. That's what happens. Yes, okay. almost exactly what happens. <laughs> like it's uncanny what you're describing happens I've at never the seen very it. end of season one of Venture Brothers. So That's funny. Okay. Well, great. Anyway, like I guess podcast. This is podcast untitled. Okay. Shut up. Shut up. I can actually start. Hello and welcome to Fuck Your Opinion. This is a movie review podcast with yours truly, Sean Corbin, and my co-host. Yanni Panascoto. Hi, Yanni Panascoto here. I suppose we should, again, that that title, it's in flux. We might be changing it soon, folks. We don't know exactly yeah. what. Tell We're, us. Yeah, if you want to write in and tell about? us right now some of the options and to note the reason why we're changing it is as much as we've loved the title fuck your opinion love the title. Uh, title. yanni came up with it credit where credit is due unfortunately uh it just has not been great for our seos it's not been great not for searchability no. so we're trying to or fix money. that yeah, yeah we want money we so want to make money off of here's this. here are the, some of the things that we've talked about we've talked about combative cinema we've tra- we've talked about combat cinema we've talked about uh Lights, camera, fight, battlefield film, Cinebrawl, Cinebrawl, Cinema of Aggression. Yeah. So those are our top contenders. If you like any of those, think you think there are other good candidates, let us know at FK Your Opinion Podcast at gmail.com. But yes, uh, besides that, in case you are actually a first time listener, we are not a podcast about asking people what our podcast name should be. We are a podcast about film, about cinema, about Essentially, one of us picking a film that we love and then shoving it down the throat of our co-host in hopes that they will not like it. So this week, no aperitif, no, no, uh, no chaser, nothing like that. Just shoving it right on down there and vice versa. You know, one week I shove it down Yanni's throat. The other week he shoves it down mine. So it's last, just a nonstop cycle yeah. of, of throat shoving. We just jam exactly. ourselves into each other's mouths and we we take it. Yeah. We so, take every inch of it. So last week, Yanni picked a movie called The Exterminating Angel, which was about a group of rich people stuck in a room, slowly going insane, struggling to eat, and eventually a few dying along the way. And this week we watched insert copy what I just said and paste again. <laughs> but the menu. Uh, it was a film that I chose. The reason why I chose it is because I've been doing some of my favorite movies of 2022. 
for these past 10 episodes. Um, Yanni's doing his favor of 1962 as kind of like an F you to me. But anyways. Uh, foreign language films of 1962. Continue okay, going. Whatever. And ones of 1961, so whatever. I mean, they're also all black and white, the ones you've picked as well. But They just so happen to be black and white. Anyways, uh, so I picked the venue. It's not in my top 10 of last year, but it was on my honorable mentions of films I really liked, really enjoyed. Uh, when I saw it in the theater, I had a really, really fun, good time. And that's kind of just why I chose it. Uh, as far as a rating is concerned, oh, there's also I also chose it because I thought it was a good contrast uh, with the film we watched last week, as well as contrast or not Very contrast, similar. but um, uh, companion piece, companion, companion piece. piece. Yes, that that's really what I should have said. It's a good companion piece with the film that we watched last week, as well as um, I think some of the ideas I think are very interesting in how they relate to our podcast. <laughs> so I'm like, this would be a fun one to pick. And then also, uh, Yanni's a bit of a foodie, so I just kind of wanted to make fun of him with this pick. I'm a, no, I'm not. You're exaggerating. You're more of a foodie than I am, Mr. Bagel of the Week series on Instagram. <laughs> okay, well, that's like, well, we'll get into that. But I mean, a Bagel of the Week is not expensive, my friend. Versus I, I eat very, I my but my food budget is very conservative. I very okay. seldom, very seldom go okay. out, as you know. Okay, okay. Don't give me that crap. Uh, I, I, I will give you that crap. Anyways um thought i i guess if i guess for rating on this movie i'll talk a little bit about why i'm gonna give this rating later in my nags but i'm gonna give it a six out of ten wow yeah I, how I, can something be honorable mention for you and still be a six out of ten because i gave i would have given it a seven or 7.5 when i originally saw it and having rewatched it it lowered in my estimation that's kind of where it comes down to where uh, yeah, that's like the opposite is uh the other movies that i picked for this year glass onion ambulance and babylon all stayed the same in my estimation i all really really loved them this is the one that i think truly just didn't click as well the second time around but anyways i still really like it i still think it's a fun film but yeah uh yanni Next, you, the opposer, gives a plot summary. What is the uh, plot that's summary? That's right. The opposing, disinterested, dispassionate, or displeased party between the two of us uh, provides a jokey little plot summary oh, for the film or movie we watched. Folks, this one is a film, by the way. And uh, I'll also give you a little spoiler alert. Yanni actually, it sounds like Yanni enjoyed this one more than Sean did. Um, very oh, surprising. God. This very Shock. rarely happens. I wasn't in love with it, but I will say it, it is a very rare occurrence that I wind up liking one of Sean's picks more than Sean does and vice versa. I think it's only happened once what was the with one you that... liking Suicide Bus more than I liked it on my second watch. Well, I get, I but I also hadn't rating. seen it. I also hadn't seen it in over 10 years or something like that. And you saw the menu probably less than six months ago. Yeah, in November when it came out. Yeah, so. I think I, well, I'll talk about it later. Okay, so uh, my, my, uh, my summary, my synopsis <clears throat> Following the events of the movie Splice, Dren hitches a ride to the island of Dr. Moreau for a, <laughs> for a night of fun and fine dining with Jack the Giant Slayer, catered by Gordon Ramsay's slightly less psychotic American cousin. Okay. Okay, that was a funny one. You finally laps, did a laps. good job. I got, I got you some, did a good you know, job. Yeah, there you go. I felt I felt good while I was writing it out. I it's really just a matter of picking like the char right character from the right film or movie. See, um, it's just I'm, names. I'm Classic fair. comedy. I'm fair. It, it, you normally do a bad job, and I tell you, you do a bad job. I do that well, in my workplace. Like I, I do, do a bad job when I forget to do it. I yes. only do a bad job when I, and that's I forget to do it all, <laughs> all the time. Because here's the thing: like at, at work, I'll constantly not criticize people, but you know, I, I am a manager, so 
I'll give feedback. And sometimes people might be like, man, you're being a real dick all the time. I'm like, oh, you know, just don't do a bad job. And then when they do a good job, I'm like, you did a good job. You did great, you know? So it, you know, it, it commit goes yourself. both ways. If you say you're going to kill everyone, kill everyone. If you blow up the building, blow up the building and have people die. Just go, you know, all in. I'm not full killing measure. anybody. Is that what you're saying? No, what I'm saying is that there, you know, you go all the way like you do with the menu or you wuss out like you do with glass onion. Or exterminating angel. Not, not exterminating angel. I've already made my defense. I've already made my defense for that. It's partial. I will, you know, I did concede (laughs) that he had to make some compromises, but I think he definitely realized his vision. Uh, Well, not, they both realized their vision. I just think his vision was better than Ryan Johnson. We just don't need to relitigate this because we're going to just keep doing it and doing it. Okay. So tell us, tell us what actually happens in this movie uh, with Dren the Splice Monster. Okay. What actually happens is uh, this group of rich folks go out to this private island with this extremely exclusive restaurant um, uh, run by the most renowned chef in the world. The lead character is, uh, what's her name? What's the actress's name again? Anna Taylor. Uh, Queen, yeah, Queen's Gambit. So Queen's Gambit and uh, Nux from Fury Road. Oh, you're just Renfield. copying my thing at this point. You're just well, no, but that, but no, but that's their characters, you know? Um, so Renfield and Queen's Gambit go on this island together as a couple and they're eating. He He's like a super foodie taking pictures, very pretentious, you know, like uh, some people we know on this podcast and Sean. Yeah, I'm the pretentious one on this. Oh, you're sure. pretentious about everybody's. Pre- that's we'll get into it. But everybody's pretentious about something. OK, I'm pretentious about bagels. If you want to do that. Sure. Pretentious about crappy movies, too. But anyways, keep going. <laughs> Like that's not how that works. Anyways, yes, it is. That's exactly how. It anyways, works. so they soon find out that head chef played by Ray Fiennes is actually going to kill them at the end, and that this men this menu that he's prepared is like a very final menu for them all, and is uh, a commentary and a critique of them, of society, of rich versus poor, of culture, but also just um, I think what it kind of boils down to him is just how. You know, he used to love food and care about making it, had a passion. And as he climbed through the ranks uh, um, of becoming a top chef, the, the the vileness that kind of ruined his life and he was making food for people who didn't give a shit anymore, you know, but they could, you know, it just, it really just sucked it out, uh, the passion out for him. So uh, his choices, each menu item kind of relates that to that as well as, like I said, other things. And then uh, he makes them suffer and ultimately kills them all, except Queen's Gambit, who orders a cheeseburger and says, uh, peace out, bitches. Yeah, that was a little, little, little digressive. But yeah, you still you got there eventually. Yeah, thank you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Good I job. appreciate it. You know, before You're we welcome. get into it, uh, I did I did tell Yoni I wanted to bring this up on the podcast because we were talking about folks who listen. So he's saying like some folks on his in his life who listen. Guess who started listening to my podcast? My boss. So boss man. Oh, I'm, not gonna, I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna name you by name unless you want me to, you know, cite your name, but you know, it's pretty funny. If I just called so, out his nationality, then people probably know who he is then. I mean, you still have to look it up. I mean, it's not like I'm saying like beep beep, like his whole name. Like, well, come on. There's I mean, just because you said nationality. But a couple of things. First of all, it's just weird me saying it right now because I know he's gonna hear this. But you he could like, be dead by then. He like, <laughs> sure, I guess. But he like binge. He went on a hike and like binge two episodes. And I'm like, Jesus Christ! Like that's uh, uh, is, a, is a binge two episodes. I feel like a binge is like five. They're episodes they're like an hour and fifteen each. I feel like 
I have I can't even edit one of them in a session. I've rarely listened to a whole podcast episode by itself. Anyways, I'm and he did recent ones. He did Ambulance and um one of the other recent ones. I'm like, holy uh, Jim's and Jim and Jewel or whatever the fuck. Jules and Jim. Jules and Jim. There you go. So he did those. I'm like, Jesus Christ. You no, know, he pointed out that you made a mistake, my friend. He said that okay. Ambulance is not a German film, which is what you said on the podcast, but a Danish film. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm so. actually no, like I am actually I, I apologize. That was just like a quick thing I looked up. I thought I saw that it was a German title, but I am wrong then. Yeah. Thank own you for pointing it. that out. Thank I you. own up to it. Thank I, you, I, boss. I own up to it. Unlike some people, I own up to my mistakes. You know, I recognize when I might be in the wrong. Um, and uh, if you're listening, one, thank you for pointing that out. Two, please spread the word around. You sound like you're a powerful man. Get the word out. Oh, God. Uh, share it with your friends. Yeah, please, please. Anyways. Uh, leaving that aside, now it's time that we move on to our favorite aspects. That's the basic structure of this podcast, folks. Mm -hmm. We go through our first, uh, we go first go through our three favorite aspects each, and then we finish up with our three least favorite aspects. Usually it's the job of the dissenting party to start. So I'm going to start off, Sean, I'm going to commence. I'm going to begin the sentence that I am currently speaking with. I would have clapped right there, but I'm not actually going to clap because it would fuck up my sound. Oh, Oh, sorry. I didn't hear that. You want me to clap? No, no, don't clap. Don't God damn it. No, don't clap. Ah, shit. Anyways, uh, my favorite part um, about this film, and it's just the whole in general, uh, it's very clearly a piece of satire. It very clearly is a piece of commentary. Which is also why I picked it. You do a lot of, of satire. You pointed this out earlier. It's You basically went down the list. Classism, um, art, gastronomy, uh, you know, uh, income disparity even to an extent. Like, yeah, right. It covers all of that. It's a commentary on all of those things. Uh, it does a, a good job of it for the most part. Um, you get a sense. You don't necessarily get a sense of exactly where the piece stands in that argument because it kind of just attacks everyone from all sides. Or if it doesn't attack everyone from all sides, it makes very valid arguments in defense of itself or plays the devil's advocate. So I mean, nobody's it, really steel manned or straw manned. I think it but, very stands with Margot, you know. <laughs> well, I don't think she's... <laughs> And here's the problem with that. I don't think it it inherently stands with with her because ultimately there are, you know, there's the base idea of of the high concept eating experience isn't necessarily or inherently a bad thing, but it is abused, right? And while I don't think I think we as an audience are sort of like forced to sympathize with her because she's the only human in the cast, um I think the arguments that are made just the the base arguments for that exi- the existence of such an experience as it pertains to dining specifically but like art in general really are there are fine and they're not weak uh but that's neither here nor there at the moment uh there's commentary and more importantly uh it's commentary that makes the so-called commentary in glass onion look like the pile of hot garbage that it is uh yeah so um it's really the like here more has to do with the actual skill i think of the writing team the the precision of the writing team. I looked this up. Both the writers apparently were writers for The Onion. And so that makes tons of sense when you look at this. It's nowhere near as whims- whimsical as like some of the Onion articles that you'll read or some of like, well, if we're getting into like really crazy stuff, clickhole. Um, but it's every bit as sardonic and it knows exactly what sort of satire it wants to be through and through with exception to Margot. But we will get to that later, Sean. Man, I don't have it as my like, but my like should be Margo now. But uh, I'll just say that uh, my first like is that the premise, I think, is very interesting and they're very funny. Uh, not necessarily in the commentary. I mean, we'll talk more about that later. But just in terms of the, uh, you know, you're bringing a group of people in this room. And it, it's, a, it's a type of thriller, thriller comedy that we've seen before. It's pretty simple. But it's just it's just such a great concept, you know, like it's a great way to put people in that room naturally, but also to include stakes. And 
have the the not competition but rivalries or the antagonism between the chef and his team for or his kitchen versus the guests you know there's a lot of an inherent conflict and tension there but to actually make it like we're going to kill you and add that horror comedy or not horror but like thriller comedy aspect to it is just um so smart and just one of those things that is i don't want to say is obvious like not because that sounds kind of bad and you would think people have done it before but it's just it's one of those things where uh, you know, like I'm a big action movie guy. And sometimes I would go like on a roller coaster on something. I'd be like, or a theme park. I'm like, why is there not like an action movie here? You know, like, you know, incorporating cool, fun things like this, where I feel like this is something. And I think the writers spoke about this, where they went to some kind of similar experience and came up with the idea of essentially what becomes this movie. And it's just it's just a great way of being very simple, but packing a lot in there. That is my first like very entertaining. I don't, where are you getting the the funny is very tongue in cheek, but the funny kind of stops after the first act. There's still plenty of jokes after. There's not not a lot. I mean, that's if, if you're you know, if this is a comedy, um, it is certainly a comedy. I guess if this is a comedy, uh, then I guess the Lego movie is a live action film as well, because, you know, there's a lot of humans. I in the very can't end. fucking stand <laughs> you. You always go back to this shit. It's not live action. You're like, That's oh, a, man. I mean, it's it's, it's as li- as much a live action film as this is a comedy. I think this is I, I, I am. This is, this is a comedy. So hard. If this is a comedy, then exterminating Angel is a comedy, too. But this is actually funny, is my point. But you know, it's, here's it. It's not. I mean, people say things that like seem like they could be funny, or depending I mean, on how here's, you know, here's what your some, mood is towards here's something certain that, character that, types. But like, funny. here's here's something that happens not in the first third, where uh, Ray finds unveils why he brought them all to the island to kill them. Essentially, that's like halfway through or so. You know, so he says like John Leguizamo. He says something about how uh, he's given up in his art and his craft, but specifically cites how. He had one Sunday off in months and went to go see John Leguizamo's movie. And it's such a piece of crap that he brought them in. brought him there to kill him because he was so mad. Or, um, you know, his assistant. That's just absurd to me, though. But those two examples, I know what you're talking about. It's funny. It's more. I, I don't know. It, it felt more to me like it was performed. It's way it fucking included. funnier than uh, it was a divorce Italian style, just oh, murdering the wife. Not. Are you kidding me? Definitely not. I, uh, no, it, it felt more like it was included just to show exactly how twisted this guy has become. I'd say that is less funny. Well, no, neither of these instances are funny because he was he asks his assistant, John Leguizamo's assistant, like, do you have student loans? And she's like, no. And he's like, OK, you're going to die tonight. Yeah. That's that's more absurd. That's more crazy like, to me that it is here, actually It's absurd, funny. but it's funny. But like, I mean, even if we just want to go off of delivery, I mean, and you just noted that the onion guys did. I mean, like, I don't know. You that, are yeah, insane. The, 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 fair, the, the Fairly Brothers made all sorts of comedies in the 90s and the early 2000s. And then the Green Book. I don't know if the Green Book is actually like, uh, you know, a big laugh, ha ha riot. There are jokes. Like, it's not it's not the yeah. same type of movie, but. But would you call it a comedy? Um. Because it's definitely not. There's something about Mary. It's definitely not Dumb and Dumber. Sure, but it's a mix. Definitely I mean, not it's, tra- it's trauma and comedy. You know, like I feel like if I, I I'm not looking at the IMDb right now, but I would say it's both. You know, it's 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 a IMDb it's doesn't a, decide what a genre what's what genre something it is. Okay, but even then, genre is just like a okay. It's and a here concept. we're debating. It's, it's just like I would say for that movie, the husk, the exterior, everything else. Like the main thing is drama, but yeah, there is plenty there of comedic, comedic elements. But there are plenty of comedic elements to say that it could be a comedy. And by, conversely, with this movie, why am I even fucking arguing you with it? You don't even know comedy. <laughs> it's a comedy, you dumb fuck. 
Well, you hear I that did, boss. I did this just is, deliver, this is how I talk to my coworkers. Deliver. I tell them like, hey, the it's a comedy, you dumb fuck. Joke synopses that we've had in weeks, months, as opposed to you, never gives us a funny joke synopsis. Just give me this second fucking you like. Just don't care. Give me the second, second like. fucking like. Uh, second like here. Um, this uh, as a satire, this film does not flinch uh, away from what it's trying to do. I think it pokes a lot of holes in the in that dining in not just like the dining experience, but like how human beings ingest and consume art and how we, be, we come to abuse that sort of consumption. Um, and also like the, the quality and the inherent value of high and low art or, and like why that even exists, why we make that distinction and how it sort of just like this nonsensical thing that there is this distinction between high and low art. Like, you know, there's a distinction between films and movies, uh, as if there is, as if there is any real distinction it's there and it's not. And the film acknowledges both of those things. And it works within a really, within a really specific um but sort of still like fluid capacity with them uh however it doesn't flinch it it you you know we were talking about an exterminating angel how it felt like uh Bunel, Bunuel held back he didn't go like full full anthropophaginian right people weren't eating themselves at the very end but this was like i mean if we go through it guy shoots himself as the third course in front of the whole room somebody gets his finger cut off uh and then the finale is <laughs> ray finds turning everyone into a s'more and then setting the whole building on fire it goes balls to the wall it it full measures through and through um and it actually burns the building down uh, as opposed to glass onion which did not do that and let everybody live after this giant ball of fire engulfed this giant building fed by the gas that was being filled in there so you know <laughs> oh my god uh, yes but this actually kills everyone off yes that was this actually kills everyone off at the end lets the character who's who should live live at the end i still have i you know i have some problems with that uh, but the ending specifically tying everything up, identifying just the absurdity, the, the the sort of paradoxical relationship we have with art and types of art and like specifically food as an art form. I think that really sold home, not just like in a visual way, but also uh, in a performative way, too, because that last do- that last monologue Ray Fiennes have is, has is really strong. I think it really sold it home and it really made for some strong, uh, compelling cinema at the very end, specifically. It's fine. I think it's good, but I don't think it's nearly as good as you're saying. But um, uh, yeah, uh, you know, something I asked uh, Emily about that I'd be very curious about your opinion because it relates uh, there's a bit where Nicholas Holt talks about how he feels that culinary art is the highest form of art just because it deals with life and death and it deals with life's raw materials. You know um, what, you know, as the pretentious motherfucker you are, what do you think is the highest art or the most important art in your perspective? Um, I mean, I don't really feel like there is a highest art, right? We're making a we have a, a movie review podcast, which we is talk the about highest movies. of arts. This, it's just the this, one that we like the most. This is artistry 101. Film filmmaking just speaks to us, right? That's for whatever reason that's sure. just um what hits us hardest than anything else. For some people it's other forms of art. Some people don't like movies. Some people say it's music. Uh some people say it's painting. There are all these like really abstract reasons why we gravitate towards pieces of art and sometimes or in, in specific instances maybe even like with music there's an evolutionary component to it. Like why music? Why you know we can't exactly explain why we feel that something is sad inherently and it's sad to entire communities and even can be internationally considered sad, like just a single type of note or a single instrument played in a specific way, like the violin. We can't explain exactly why we feel that way. And so it's almost like transcendent that something like that, this one sort of universal concept can affect us all similarly. 
Um, so I don't know, like you could easily make the argument that music is the quote unquote highest art because it leaves so inherently so little room for interpretation. But I, I don't care. It's not that I don't care about that question. I think it's a pointless question because wow. I was trying to give I was just trying to give you a win. I was trying to like just give you something, you pretentious ass motherfucker. And you just no, like not, this is how right. this is how I feel. Like, I okay. love film. It's my favorite form of art. It, it suffers from the same pro the exact same problem that uh food does that culinary culinary art does the same exact issue that's depicted in this and it's probably really at the end of the day it's not just about food like we've talked about it's it's about art in general and our relationship with art well, what's the just problem? uses food as the vehicle the problem is that i mean I, i've mentioned this like two times now it's just abuse it's sure um either aggrandizing that art form making it seem more important making it harder to access for communities so the more expensive it gets the harder it gets for people to actually enjoy it and in turn, uh, the people who can't afford it, they develop some sort of ego over it, right? And so the that yeah, art like, form begins to be de democratized and reserved specifically for certain groups over others. Uh, and then you have also people who criticize it. And so like me, when the critics like get roped into it, like us in movies and films, yeah. you know, <laughs> the people who criticize it, it's just it continues like this very neg this continuous negative feedback loop of, OK, we say this is good. This is what has to be good. You have to meet our demands. You don't meet our demands. People who like this, that therefore don't agree with us, aren't as in intellectual as we are. And so their opinion well, that, doesn't matter. And that's then the how I feel do, when you criticize me for not liking like divorce Italian style or some shit. You know? Yeah, the difference is I'm self-aware. I'm willing to admit that. While I consider this a problem, I still do it and everybody's going to do it no matter what. Okay. It's just, it is an inherent problem with who we are and how far we've evolved intellectually and artistically. And okay. we can't, we can't escape it. Yeah. No, I That's mean, the true absurdity. That's the true onion absurdity about this film is that it rec it calls out a problem, but it doesn't pretend to say like we can fix it. Yeah. It just leaves us with a, a gal eating a cheeseburger on a boat. Who wipes her face with the menu as a napkin. Which is both a call, but like references the title in a way. It's quite funny, but also just like how valueless that menu itself is, you know, it just becomes a napkin to her. Metaphors. Anyway, my answer would be either music or uh, painting, even though I'm not a big paint got painting guy uh, at the same time. It's film is too new of a medium. And I, I think the one thing that I thought you were going to say with the problem with culinary artists, arts as well as um, film, at least for me, is just they don't last in the same way. I mean, film has not been around long enough for us to know if it's going to last or not. But even then, we can see, you know, Divorce Italian Style is a great example where it didn't work for me because I'm too far removed from it. But even if we're going to look at the grand scheme of history, I'm not that far removed, you know, where I can listen to a song that was probably composed hundreds of years ago that was passed down generations and generations and still be pretty affected by it, you know, or uh, similarly with a painting, you know. Um, and those two, one of the things you were saying is like it transcends borders, you know, it transcends generations. So, you know, for me, it's just like whatever the concept of art, you know, I think as much as I hate that idea, I remember in college people being like, oh, how do we define art? I'm like, fuck this, fuck art. And I'm still not like a huge art guy, but at the same time, uh, you know, that's that's my thought on that. But film is my preferred because it uses everything. It, every piece of artistry you can think of, Besides something relating taste to taste smell. or smell. Unless we're talking about Robert Rodriguez's Spy Kids 4, which employed smell <laughs> Yes. That was art, Sean. That was true. That was art. That was true art. Like, was there a fart there? Yes. Uh, uh, I can feel it right in my eyes. It's amazing. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah. Uh, cool. Well, that was a long digression. Uh, my second, like, I really liked the cast, and I thought they all had really great performances all around. Um, Ray Fiennes was um, great. But I've got a question about what you wrote in the outline. 
What? You said well cast with great performances. Okay, I was rushing what over here. What does that here. mean? I was rushing over here and I just typed something up so I would remember. You don't have to quote me word for word, you asshole. We don't, don't need to I, do that. If I want were to- Were you trying to say good cast with great performances? The movie was well cast is what I was trying to say, which oh, is what I fucking well said. Cast. And yes, well- <laughs> the well was supposed to be de- the determiner for the cast, so you were trying like to say- Like the director cast just it good, well. They were well. No. Okay. <laughs> you fucking idiot. You're the well, word usually, guy. You're the wordy. Yeah. You should know yeah. that. Yeah. You know what happens when you try to turn well cast into an adjective? You need to have a hyphen in there. It's not an adjective. I. No. When something is well cast, there is a hyphen in between. That, that is an adjective. It's a fucking adjective Google outline that we use for an hour. That's not going to be retained. I'm not sending a professional email. Like, here's the thing. At work, I get, Yanni, I get so hard on people for typos. I get, I ride their asses because I'm in customer service. I'm like, you want us to look like fucking idiots? You put the apostrophe, you put the dash, you put the comma, whatever. You know, I'm very meticulous about that. This is a fucking outline to you that we use an hour that we start, that I started like a half an hour before. Like, excuse me, this is just a reference. It doesn't need to be right. You dick, shut up. Anyways, I thought the movie had a great cast. And all the performers hit their notes to a T. Now, were they necessarily as, was anyone on the heights of, say, Daniel Craig in Glass Onion or um, Jake Gyllenhaal no. in Ambulance? No. I thought Ray, Ray Fiennes was certainly a notch below that, but I thought he was really great. And I think the cast equaled out to be really great. You know, um, there was other actors like at the rich guy table. Um, I don't, I'm blanking on the, the names, but the Mexican actor I've seen in a bunch of stuff. And I really like him every time I see him. Uh, the other guy What's who played, it's like Arturo something. I want to say Arturo Castro. Yeah, Arturo that's what Castro. I thought. He's I, I I I look forward to seeing what he does in his career. He's a he is such a talented performer, and he he was on Narcos and did like really serious shit. But I've also seen him do like really great comedy. Like he when he he hits in the next couple of years, he's gonna hit big. I know it. And then the other guy at the table who was on Succession, he played this guy named Lawrence because Emily and I were watching Succession right now, um, and he. W- was solid, you know, but he like he has a type and he does that type really well. But you know, overall, uh, Nicholas Holt surprised me. I, I'm pretty bleh on Nicholas Holt as a performer, um, just because I think he's kind of a bland pretty boy that's not that pretty. Um, it's just fine. Um, but I thought this was one of the better performances I've seen him in. You know, he was really like swinging on this one, and it worked really well. Um, and Anna Taylor yeah. Joy, I like a lot. I think she's one of my favorite upcoming actresses. Um, so yeah. The performance is kind of oh, underwhelmed. I mean, Hong Chow, Hong Chow, great. Tortillas, they are tortillas. What are these? They are tortillas. Uh, that was great. See, like, oh, you didn't find that was... funny? You didn't find that funny? More intimidating at that point, I mean. It, why not? Porque lo nos dos. Why I not? I guess it both? could be. It just, it just, I didn't find How it did like you all not that funny. Find it funny? You because have I knew such a uh, like, I, I humor. Knew, I knew nothing about this film coming into it. I obviously, all of the marketing made it seem like something was brewing, right? Uh, there was some sort of impending doom there and like all of the marketing materials, all the trailers and everything. Um, so yeah, I, like I figured things were going to turn real quick. Have you ever seen Succession out of curiosity? No, but I, the creator, he was the director for this film, wasn't he? Well, one, of, like the, one, of, one, the, one of the directors who consistently one of the directs, directors. directed for this, okay. not the creator. But, um, you know, I, I think not quite 100% the same, but Succession does a, a tremendous job at, you know, to a question you were saying earlier. It is a drama. It's it's like for me, it's like a comedy disguised as a drama. Where the the bones of it, the husk, the every the outside, 
is very much a drama and there are, are very dramatic and compelling characters, arcs and storylines. And yet it's funny as shit. It is so fucking funny to seeing how all these people are sniveling um, to the patriarch, um, all the backstabbing. I won't get into it, but I think part of one thing I'm going to say later is just like watching that right now and then watching this back to back definitely colors my opinion of this movie, which is to say that is a such a tremendous show. But yeah, I think it's really funny. And like, you saying this, I'd be interested to see if you find it even funny at all because you, you it doesn't seem like that humor necessarily registers for you. But anywho, what's your third like? Uh, third like minimizes the exposition. Um, very easily, they could have come in and just in, done like a huge exposition dump at the very beginning. Uh, but there there are worked into the actual plot of the film. Uh, character motivations and dynamics that prevent certain information being released of a way worse film would have told you at the very beginning that Anna Taylor joy was a prostitute and would have, you know, just probably done that. Like in that first conversation they have, there's this aura of mystery mystery created around everything. And that's important for um, the escalation that follows in the second and then ultimately the third acts. And I really appreciate that. I appreciate that it is hidden from us that we uh, that Nicholas Holt had uh, had a girlfriend who broke up with him and he had been talking to Ray Fine's character the entire time. He knew that they were going to die if they came. And when we first learned that his original guest was supposed to be that girlfriend, we don't know that. We, we get the sense because they show up at the island and Anna Taylor Joy, that uh, he's supposed to have another guest. I don't remember the other guest's name, but Anna Taylor Joy isn't her. And he's like, "Oh, this is so embarrassing." And so, what the audience is supposed to come away with is like, "Oh, okay, they've this is a couple. They have they've been together very. They very recently got together. He just broke up with somebody." But as the, the layers peel away, it becomes a lot more suspenseful, and that's very important when you want to create a compelling viewing experience. Just making sure that the exposition one isn't too heavy and two is worked in in a narratively natural way. So I appreciated that a lot there were things that i was like okay this 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 just feels like um you had no idea where you were going to put this in so you just put it in at the most convenient place like the whole uh anna taylor joy coming across ray fines is employee of the month picture when he worked at that burger stand thing that was like eh, this feels a little forced in because you don't know where to put it and then her whole excursion from the building <laughs> felt totally necessary and not uh it just felt obvious that's that has nothing to do with exposition. Um, we'll get to that. That's one of my dislikes. But yeah, for the most part, I thought the exposition was handled very well. And I, I felt like I was not in the know for a lot of it. But when things were revealed to me, it felt for the most part natural. Sean? Uh, I both agree and disagree. But I think that's because this is the second time I'm seeing this movie. And I, I'm going to cite a dislike of mine. But I'm not transitioning to the dislikes because I still have a third like. Um, which is to say, I really like the, the lack of exposition too. I think it was just enough of what you needed, but you didn't really need it anymore. And it was peppered pretty well throughout. And I think the first time I watched it, to your point about the mystery, like it worked so damn well. Like, and that's why I chose the film. Like the, the fact that Anna Taylor Joy's character is a prostitute and she just got lured in there. Like I just remember the first time I watched it and I was just like, holy fuck. Like you have, like how screwed must you feel that, you know, like, you just signed up for this guy and he knew like it is such a deflating but like great moment, you know. Um, but the thing is, rewatching the movie, you realize that a lot of it relies on that era of mystery and kind of falls a bit flat the second time around um, specifically, especially because there's not that much plot wise going on throughout. You know, a lot of it is built around the idea of that mystery. Where in reality, it's they're still really just eating the whole time or like talking the whole time. But there's not like 
actually much going on. And I guess to your point about the comedy, I still find it funny, but it's not as funny. Uh, at least it's not it's not enough to hold it through. So it's like when the comedy is not hitting it that hard and the, the mystery is not hitting that hard and therefore the thrilling aspect is not hitting that hard again the second time around. It's just it kind of falls a little flat in that sense. Now, that being I would say two things years and years ago, I saw The Dark Knight. I loved it. And I saw it again, probably like a couple of weeks later. And I kind of had the same comment. So I wouldn't be surprised if I come back and it still works really well. I still think uh, it is such an interesting and well-constructed original film. Like, I think that's something that we really need to talk about, too. It's just like this is an original film that you don't really get to see all that much and it's a a clever concept that's put together with a relatively sizable budget not huge but like it's it's a mid-level film that we all yearn for you know to yanni's point earlier about like us being the pretentious critics that we are we yearn for not the big budget shit but the stuff in the middle here that's really you know pardon the pun but juicy and it has a lot of you know interesting aspects going on that you don't necessarily see all the time you know i don't want to see ant-man again i want to see more stuff like this so even when I complain, it's just like, you know, I, I still think it's really solid. Um, and I think the other part of my dislike is just that because Emily and I are specifically watching Succession and rewatching that, it's what's so great about Succession is that, to my point, it's both really funny, but it's really dramatic. And seeing how the narrative weaves, like it's it was really strong the first time. But the difference with a drama um, versus a thriller like this is that once you know the character arcs and where those characters go, it becomes actually so much more richer and compelling when I'm rewatching things from season one, from season two, knowing where those characters are going to go and they're going to end up. And I'm like, oh, that's what puts you on the track for this or that. Where, I mean, you kind of get that here and there with references to the idea that Anya Taylor-Joy's character is a prostitute or, you know, things like her not looking at the senator and like, oh, she looks like this. Like, there are plenty of references to what happens, but at the same time, because this movie is more concerned about the mystery of it, um, it just, you know, it, it just in that aspect doesn't work as well. You know, which is a little shitty of me to say because it, it's a little unfair to be critical on a second viewing. So it's just like, I think if this is your first time having watched a movie, like you're going to be way over high. Like I really, that's why it's on my honorable mentions. I really, really, really liked it the first time. It wasn't quite, I, like at first it was in the top 10 and then I kind of tempered my um, uh, opinion of it. But still, you know. Anyways, any any notes on that before I go to my third like? Um, wait, wasn't that your? Okay, well, no, no that was I guess that was a dislike. On... That was actually a dislike. Okay, well, my note on that, I guess, is that watching this all the way through, I told myself at some point, I'm enjoying this. Uh, I'm kind of just waiting for all of these mysteries to be resolved, like I know they will. Like I, as soon as the whole um, Margot versus Westfield or whatever the original girlfriend's name was. As soon as that idea was introduced, I was like, okay, there's, you know, in a typical plot, this is the sort of thing that would get resolved at some point, kind of just waiting to figure out when it's get, when I get to find out about this. So a lot of it was kind of just waiting and seeing what was going to happen, knowing that the filmmakers to be able to create a, um, a pleasurable or a satisfying experience had to give me some information, just kind of waiting for that information to arrive. And throughout, I was like, I, this is fun. I'm waiting. I, I'm enjoying the mystery. I probably don't need to see this film ever again uh, because I imagine it's not going to land quite as well as it did the first time. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it, because a lot of it um, isn't just necessarily shock value. I'd say the more I, there are scenes that I would watch that I think were well ha- handled and very intense. 
um, that were wrought with foreshadowing, and then they they capitalized on that and they delivered. Like for instance, when the su- the first sous chef commits suicide, as soon as the tarp's down, I'm like, okay, this is going to happen. But there's been enough craziness so far in this film for me to second guess myself and then maybe say, okay, maybe that's not going to what going to be what happens. Maybe somebody's going to cut his throat. I'd, who knows what it is? But the the tension was so well cultivated that I would enjoy watching that because I thought that was well handled. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I'm not in love with this film, and we're about to explore that as soon as you do your your third like. Yeah. But I think there are there were definitely scenes and sequences that I found very compelling. Yeah. Uh, I'll go through my third like. Watchable. Yeah, I know. I know we're running a little long, so I'll just go through my third like kind of quickly, just because you already kind of touched on it, which is that uh, the the theme of high art versus essentially um, more trashy entertainment. So you know, there's obviously a metaphor for just all kinds of arts, but you know, since we're watching a film, we think about that, and more specifically in this film, it's you know the highest of the high culinary experience, and like bread that's not actually bread versus plain old fashioned cheeseburger. And when uh, Margot and Ray Fiennes kind of have their uh, argument at the end, that basically leads to her, you know, leaving of this like you know, like fuck this. I, I, I don't feel satisfied. I don't like the taste of the food. Um, I'm hungry. I just want a good old fashioned cheeseburger. You know, why can't we just get, have things that taste good? I am not making the argument very well right now. Um, you know, just rewatch the, or re-listen to the bit, uh, that she explains all this, but I'm like, I really like that as an idea. Like I relate to it. I get, especially the more picks Yanni picks. I'm like, I kind of get sick and tired. I was just like, oh, this is so clever. This is so smart. This is so blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I just want a goddamn entertaining movie. That's all I fucking want. I just want to be entertained. Is that too goddamn much? And I'm like, thank you, menu. Thank you. That is my third like. Yanni, what is your... It's, oh, you're it's, say not about the enter- it's, it's not about the entertainment. It's about the personal experience. At the very beginning, this film is like, okay, Nicholas Holt says something like, oh, it's you know the most ephemeral experience and that's why it's the highest art. What that is his misconception of the idea. Ultimately, that scene at the very end where she orders the cheeseburger, that for me tells you everything that was wrong with Ray Fiennes and revealed his entire motivation for doing all of this is that he wanted to touch on that same level of, of pleasure or freedom that he had lost and had even contributed to the destruction of in the in the culinary realm or in the culinary sphere itself, you know? Um, he had, he had been a part of these restaurants, been a part of this trend that overindulged, that overinflated itself and kind of just turned into this, um, auto cannibalistic entity. Uh, so ultimately like at the very end, that's why Taylor and, and Taylor joy, the splice monster gets to leave. <laughs> the splice monster. <laughs> the splice monster. She's like, I, I, she gotta go I gotta go splicing. I gotta go splice. 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 <laughs> um, that's why she gets to leave because she is able to elicit this feeling in him that he thought he had lost that that sort of that admiration for the art like the the moment where he is or the scene where he's making that cheeseburger you actually see the humanity in him as he's creating it he is enjoying it he's not smirk he's not like smirking he's not angry he's not um intimidating or destructive he's actually creating something and it's really a beautiful moment but he's after that instance and he's allowed and taylor joy uh the freedom to leave that was kind of like his last glimpse or his last shred of humanity that she left with that cheeseburger. And ultimately, that's why, you know, the whole place burns down because he's gone. He's a husk. He realized he had participated in the destruction of his own art and he couldn't live anymore. But uh, sorry, what? I was going to say, before we move on to the dislikes, I just have to ask you, 
What character do you think I am in this movie? I'll tell you what character I think you are after. You're the smoked sausages hanging from the smokehouse ceiling. (laughs) Always an unexpected one with you. But (laughs) am I like on like the 153rd day when like I'm like deadly? Like I have all the bad bacteria and shit? Or am I like the good one? Okay, cool. I just want to make that clear. Uh, cool. Uh, you're obviously the Nicholas Holt. You know, you're you're a critic it's through a great and through, scene. critic through and through. But you know, you certainly can't make shit. So you know, I can afford experiences like this. Whereas you're just a wild animal that was slaughtered and then ground up and turned into sausage. So well, he afforded one experience and he knew he was going to die. So he probably put his whole life savings into it, right? Maybe, but still, he got to be there. And then you were just, you know, you were eating corn out of a trough. At one point, and, he and paid, then you he, died. And remember, he paid for two people. You know, like he paid. We for don't his... know if he got to sleep with the splice monster before they got on that boat. He might have. No, well, I mean, first of all, he has to pay for his, her time. Second of all, uh, yeah, yeah. What I'm did, saying is, if he already paid did, for the time, didn't she say probably... that like he did though? Like, but it was just like oh, a handy. Okay. Great. I'm pretty sure she That's said still... that. I, I, she, I'd rather. She, I'd she, rather. She wanted like creepy details about it to Ray Fines. <laughs> well, Sean, I would rather. I would rather be porkin' than be pork. Okay, great, great, great fodder for my boss to listen to. You heard that (laughs) there, sir. Uh, You know, don't fire me, please. We're talking. No, she was talking about the senator. She wasn't talking about Nicholas Holt's character. Oh, the senator. The senator. Oh, that makes more sense. I was just like, why do you want Nicholas Holt to like? Because why would Nicholas Holt want you to be like, I'm your daughter. I love you. I'm like, that's weird. He's kind of too young for that. No, but. Okay, that makes more sense. That was a little confusing when that happened. It took a second to put two and two together. Um, but I remember during that scene that the wife, the senator's wife, had recognized her and said it looked yeah. just like somebody. Presumably it was their daughter, but yeah. who knows. Um, first dislike, and this actually goes back to Margot. Margot, uh, or whatever her name is, because at one point when it's ladies' night and all the fellas are out running around having a wild time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Uh, dur- uh, during ladies night We're she says my name is actually wild and crazy guys we are some wild and crazy guys uh, yeah she says her real name at some point when they're gone I don't remember what it was I but think it's Anna, Anna Taylor Joy I think that's what she said splice monster um <laughs> she doesn't belong in, in this universe like she is the only realistic human being in this whole room of characters and for me honestly the realism of her character impinges on the effectiveness of this statement that's like I mentioned straw bands and, and steel mans. She's like the one steel man in the overall argument of this story that doesn't make sense because she is an actual human being who lives and walks among us. And everybody else in this film was a character, um, was some sort of like slightly over-exaggerated type of person that we all know. You had the three uh, rich jerks who work for the owner. We all know those rich guys who think they're better than us. Uh, you had the critic and the you magazine. Better than the me. Magazine. You think you're better than me. You had the the dry, the um, burned out celebrity and his uh, ass, uh, apprentice or assistant. Assistant. And then you had you know the the overzealous uh, kitchen and the insane uh, insane uh, chef. So like all these characters are just characters. They don't feel like real people, and they're not supposed to. And that's why the satire works. Anna Taylor Johns Anna Taylor Joy's <laughs> character is supposed to be like this correlate or this analog for the audience who feels that they themselves are real and are not exaggerated people. She's supposed to be. That, you know, that that like sort of immersive character that you can attach yourself onto sympathetically because she's the only sympathetic one for the majority of the runtime. And that to me kind of damages the impact of the film because I feel like I'm being forced to like with her. Uh, I feel like I'm being forced to like her because she is the only normal one 
And I don't like sympathizing with characters by default, or I don't like doing, I don't like when that attempt is so obvious. So like, obviously every story is going to have protagonists and antagonists, right? Uh, and I think the best stories have antagonists that you can sympathize, you, that you can sympathize with. Like this and, podcast, um, you sympathize there is a little with the bit of, antagonist of Yanni. Ray Fiennes' character is a little sympathetic in the end, or at least he makes compelling and, and strong arguments. But Anna Taylor-Joy, she just doesn't exist in this universe. Um, and I wish she had just been in the first act. And it's really only a problem in the first act. If she had just been a little more exaggerated, just slightly more, I think it would have been a much stronger film. But it's it, she wasn't, so that's what we're left with. She also had that whole, like, I have the... I have the weird fancy hair, so I'm the protagonist the syndrome going face. on. Yeah, the splice monster, <laughs> splice monster face. Um, and to be clear, I find her can't. very attractive. But uh, oh, I'm sure you do. You know, we got to keep this I'm gag sure recurring. In Splice, you would be Adrian Brody's character, except the very moment that splice monster comes out of the splice monster machine, that's when you that's when you would sleep with the splice monster. You don't wait until oh, it's is that what happened in that movie? Splice monster. Yeah. Oh, gross. He sleeps with the splice monster in the end. I haven't seen it. What is the Shape of Water? I mean, I guess it is a Guillermo del Toro movie, right? Like, not like produced, right? He produced it. Uh, let me double check that. I thought he I... did. I could have sworn he did because I'm a film nerd and I haven't looked it up in over a decade. And that's my knowledge. Look, the only reason I started thinking of the film, of the film Splice, is that Anna Taylor Joy started breaking out when she did. And I thought she looked a lot like the splice monster in the trailers. I haven't even seen that movie, by the way. I just remember the trailers and her looking exactly like them. No, I don't see. Oh, yep. Actually, yep. There we go. Executive producer. Yep, told He's one you. of see? a handful of executive producers. So basically what what we're learning is that Gilmore del Toro really just wants to have sex with weird creatures. And and you also do, apparently. I don't. I didn't well, you say just said that. You, find her, you said you find Anna Taylor-Joy very attractive. That doesn't mean I want. There, there's Splice just, monster. I have a girlfriend. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, anyways. Uh, I was going to make Adrian. Here's the thing. Adrian. I'm certainly not, uh, you know, I, I'm just a Steve Buscemi knockoff. So, you know, I don't really got much going for me besides my eyes. Are you just, are you saying you'll take whatever you could get? Meaning splice monster. Okay. First of all, Andy Taylor <laughs> joy is not, I'll take what I can get kind of gal. No, she's, I'm talking about premium. splice. Monster. I know I'm you're talking like about actual. Splice no, monster. I, I don't want splice monster. That's not, no, no. Adrian Brody leave splice monster. Halle Berry alone. <laughs> Wait, Halle Berry? I, he kissed her when he won his Oscar. I'm just saying, oh, like, right, I'm saying like, right. it's like comma. This is why this why punctuation is so important. I didn't do a dash to combine them. I did a comma, but implied comma. Like punctuation is important. Anyways, second dislike on my end, because I already said my first dislike before. Uh, I kind of brought this up a bit earlier, but I think more of the... Actually, no, before I get into this, uh, I will say I d- disagree with your dislike. I like margot's character quite a bit i think the fact here's the thing well i i don't think having that sympathetic character is always necessary for example going back to succession i don't really think any of the characters are truly sympathetic but they are in their shittiness it's just like someone i I was listening to a podcast describe it as like you both think they're horrible people but also root for them at the same time and it is such a thin razor's edge thin line and it's very hard to do i think you felt that with divorce italian style or I did not, where I would have loved a character similar to Margot in that, um, where like I, I feel like if you had a character like Margot that you actually cared about, I don't know who it would have been. It's a little hard to fit that into that story, considering what it's about and who the lead is and everything. But having a character like Margot, I think, would have, for me, made that movie a lot more appetizing. But that's neither here nor there. First dislike, or sorry, second dislike. 
Um, I think more people should have died throughout the film. And I'm saying throughout because it's something where, again, like when the mystery is being drawn out and you already know the mystery. And I will say I did feel this the first time when I watched it as well. You know, it, it becomes more of like about the mystery and about the talking. But you realize that not much is actually happening. So pretty much everybody, I mean, is there any character that actually dies? Nicholas Holt is an exception, but I don't think any character besides Nicholas Holt and the sous chef, who is not really a character beforehand, die before the finale. Everyone else dies at the very end. And I wish that there was more. And Elsa. What? Elsa. Which one is Elsa again? Oh, yeah. The, uh, the, the Hong Chao. That um, the splice monster kills. Yeah. Um, but like, and, and those are like right before the finale too, you know? So I just wish there was... Um, there's some more buildup in terms of the story. And usually when you have a big group of people like that, that, that comes from dying at certain points of it. Like, for example, the hunt for the men. I feel like that was a prime opportunity to kill off somebody, you know, which didn't end up happening. Like, did you really need all those guys there at the end? I feel like very easily one of them could have been off and it wouldn't have mattered. Any know? of the three bros, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Any of the three bros could have gone. Like, could have been Arturo Castro. Like imagine if honestly. Arturo Castro was trying to get out and he actually drowned before getting on the boat or something, you know? So it's just like, I, I don't know. There, there's a way to do it in which uh, you're, you're still speaking to the themes and ideas, but you just didn't need that that all those people left by the end of the movie, personally. I'll agree, but also I'm going to play devil's advocate and say that it was important to create this false sense of hope during the watching experience. Um, the more of them that guilt get killed off, the le- less likely. I mean, the more of them that kill get killed off, the fewer of them that survive and the fewer mm-hmm. of them that survive as a whole, the less you care. Right. Because if only two people survive, it wasn't a successful survival. Only two people of a 10 pe- person group survived. However, if as a writer or a filmmaker, you keep holding off from killing characters, there's this sort of subconscious belief in the mind of the viewer that they might make it out at the very end. Because mm-hmm. how sure. often is there this deus ex machina? where everybody just dies in the finale. It's very infrequent these well, days. Usually it's the opposite, so, where the deus ex machina saves them all, to your point that you're saying in your likes. Literally what would happen in the old deus ex machina is the god would come down and kill everyone. In <laughs> tradition, in like ancient Greek theater, that is where okay. that expression actually comes from. Okay, great. Well, uh, I wish the god would come happens. down and kill you, but unfortunately, you know, we don't live at the Greek theater. We live in... Uh, United States, where, you know, does God where the exist? the tradition of the know. Greek theater has remained strong still 2,500 years later. So so maybe that's the highest art, Greek theater, because that's what lasts, you know? Just Talk storytelling in general. He doesn't know. Yeah, no, I, I storytelling. But, you know, storytelling can be, into what I was saying before, in, in, a, in a painting. In, it's, it in can music. be visual. It can be it can auditory. Be yes, it can be all yeah. of these things. Anyways, Yanni, uh, tell me a story. What's your next, next dislike? surprisingly bad green screen for a film made in 2022 maybe it looks better on a large screen but on my tv the first half of this while it was still daylight and then uh dusk the green the green screen in that behind that giant window at the back or i guess uh looking out onto the ocean on the island it just looks so bad but they they filmed that on location that that there's no way yeah they did look at the behind the scenes there's no way that that wasn't green screened. Look it up. They did. No, they absolutely didn't they do de- that. They definitely did. Look it up. No. Look it up. <laughs> Even if they filmed it on location, they still put a green screen up outside of the window when they had to. They, because they, you they, can you can tell in the hair. It doesn't look real. They, they bought an island for the movie and literally went out there and filmed yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And they, yeah, they built this whole happened, thing. Sean. Yeah. No, they actually did that. They built. Ray Fine said, no, I'm going to take a pay cut so you guys can buy an island. <laughs> Yeah, it looks bad. Um, and there's no excuse that it it should have. There's no excuse for it uh, when green screen, blue screen, whatever it was, really. When 
there are instances of that that are 20 years old now that look so much better. So the technical aspects, that kind of bleeds into just a general feeling that the technical aspects of this film weren't really up to snuff. I thought the cinematography um, was good. The cinematography was fine, honestly. Uh, it, it, was on, it, it felt a little uninspired. The lighting was good in the actual dining room. And I guess the nighttime stuff too was well lit. At least I didn't notice when it was lit. But there, the actual camera movement to me seemed a little uninspired. Sure. And then the lighting in that bunker that they all sleep in was awful. Uh, like there was a like shot of Arturo Castro on a bed yeah. in that one scene. But it's, it's not even, no, it's not a big scene. But still, it's like for how small of a scene it is, why couldn't you have done a better job? It looked like there was a shot signing. of Arturo Castro on a, on a chair or not on a chair, on a bed. And it looked like it was shot with a phone. Honestly, it looked like it was shot with a phone. And okay, what, what would you say is better was cinematography? Just that shot you were talking about or the shots in the fugitive TV show that were for sure shot on a phone. <laughs> you remember that? Uh, yeah. Like clearly this, the cinematography is better than this. I'm not <laughs> going to like argue that, oh, but the, it's, it's not bad cinematography. It's just, uh, they were doing the bear that they, they, they met the, the, the bear expectation to be able to convey the story. There wasn't a lot of vision behind it. I'm not going to like, I'm not I, right now off the top of my head. I can't tell you that there's any shot that's, really terribly memorable outside of the one where they uh where he drowns the the owner of the restaurant i don't remember his name yeah. the character's name no i got yeah it's like the one shot and even then it's not it's more what's happening that's memorable it's not the actual visual element of it it's the idea that they were he was drowning a live man okay okay, well, okay. you can't drown dead people but it was it was the fact that it was happening it was not the well, way it was presented you want to try with that you memorable we can kill you and then see if you drown okay <laughs> thoughts uh I think that the cinematography is above average for modern movies. I don't think it's tremendous, but I think, uh, like I said, above average, but not great. I personally didn't notice the CGI, the, the green screen that you're complaining about. But I think that it is one of the things with green screen is that the more you add to it, the more it kind of becomes really obvious. So it's just like, I've just seen so much worse shit. And to the point about the cinematography, it's just like, I've just seen so much worse shit these days. That even though it might be a little met with the CG, like for example, the the fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie, I I, I remember watching it and there was a lot of color and the seas and the, um, the the you know sky and everything, but it looked so fucking fake and forced. And I feel like more often I see stuff like that where it kind of played, it kind of worked in this movie to a point where again I just I honestly didn't really notice. Um, which is the job. Not to say it was great, but just that I didn't notice where a lot of times, like I said, it's either when you have more motion or when you have, I think, a city where it becomes really, really, really obvious really fast. Yeah, for, for me, it was just the lighting outside was inconsistent with okay. the lighting on the characters was inconsistent with the lighting outside. Okay. It wasn't the Fine. same color. It wasn't the same. Well, we can't intensity. all do black and white, my friend. Sorry, there's color in this world. We do color film these days. It's not even that. It's just like matching. It's matching your lighting. What's your last dislike? Oh my God, you're the one coming in before him being like, oh, Sean, you got to bring it. You know, some of the listeners that I No, it's that we're I an hour and 20 like, in and we're about to go well over and you also don't edit this as much as you used to. So I you're actually, not going to cut it, out a lot. I, 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 first of all, I never really cut out a lot in the first place. It's just, the it, it thing is, I actually, in my editing techniques, make it shorter than what it would have been. It's, it runs at like 85% speed. So don't even, it's fine. It's fine. I, I know what I'm doing. Anyways, uh, third dislike or yeah, third dislike. Um, it's a little bit of an unfair dislike, but I think that it's just so obvious to me that I'm still going to throw it in, which is 
before I saw the movie, you know, there's an air of mystery of what exactly it is. You know, the trailer had been playing for so many months ahead of time. I'm like, okay, this looks really good. I really want to see it. And then I realized, oh, it's produced by Adam McKay. Oh, it's going to be satirical and partly, you know, like succession guys doing it as well as the onion. I'm like, oh, wait, is a con- is the basic log line like eat the rich or some some variation of that? Because it's a very topical sentiment. I'm like, oh, that's so clever. You're going to do something like, I don't know if it's like cannibalism, but you're going to do something where it's like, quote unquote, eat the rich. And I don't know how exactly it was going to implement that, you know? And I think you can make an argument it kind of does that. But at the same time, I'm like, to to the, the points that I made earlier in terms of it, you know, like kind of its pacing and what it does and doesn't do. It's just like, I feel like conceptually, I kind of disagree with you. One of the things you were saying was in your like, that it kind of hit all the, not that like it hit it perfectly, but it, it didn't hold back and that it really went for it. Where I kind of feel like overall, it was a really fun time, but it kind of held back in a sense where I'm kind of the same idea with Exterminating Angel. Not that I'm trying to go because it's a little ironic that both and I'm like, yeah, cannibalism, which is not necessarily what I'm trying to say. It's just with both of these concepts, it felt like that was a, a, a natural step or with this cliche at this point. But it's right there. It's right there. Yeah, it's cliche, though. But this, okay, you were talking fine. about this as being a very original film, and it is. And I think like the whole cannibalism, the whole cannibalism in the ki- in the kitchen thing at this point, at this point is cliche. Okay, fine. So they wanted they wanted fine. to be wholly original. I think fine. the very original finale where he turns all of the guests into human s'mores is insanely original. I think I does, think it's all very original. I'm not saying one is more original than the other. I'm just saying that. I think the concept, um, I think, kind of wrote itself, and they decided to not necessarily do that, to kind of like sidestep what I thought was a really obvious and I think a concept I kind of would have preferred. But I still think the movie works pretty well. We live in a post-Hannibal society, Sean. Okay. Okay? Okay. It's cliche. Okay, now let me ask you this. Last dislike. Can I just ask you I this? Last- oh I, I'm writing a... You know I'm writing a cannibalism, like, chef story. Do you find my thing cliche? Years. <laughs> I don't know. Is it finished yet? Are we going to get to, are we ever going to get to read it no, or listen I, to I don't it or know. see it or whatever it is now? Who knows? We'll see. I don't know. I'll be able to Fuck tell me, you when yeah. we get to it. You know, the last version I writer. saw seemed more original. Okay, cool. But That's good. Who's to say what you've done to it since then? Which is nothing, really, if I'm being honest. <laughs> last dislike, it's not a big thing. Um, Ray Fiennes letting Anna leave to get the barrel was an obvious and poorly integrated late second act misdirection and it didn't work. Like the, why... He obviously is letting her leave because he has a plan in mind um, that is some way tied back into the whole experience of the evening and the titular menu. So it's clear that when he let her go, he wasn't just letting her go um, out of like a display of power or some sort of desire to show her exactly how confident he is in his success or control. It was clearly because, okay, he knows that she's going to go to his house. He knows that she's going to snoop around. He's going to leave out a um, a ham radio that's easily accessible for her. He knows she's going to call somebody. And I think he's even willing to sacrifice Elsa to be able to do it. I'm not entirely sure if her showing up was a part of the plan. I'm like 80% sure it is. 
Um, but I just I knew from the very get go from how little it made sense and how clearly they were trying to develop some sort of relationship between the two of these characters that there was going to be a misdirect there. And that's exactly what wound up happening. Uh, so I kind of just wish that they had eschewed that, left that out of the story and maybe saved us about 10 or 15 minutes of, of screen time. Because even though this is a shorter film, not short, short, it's one hour 45 about, mm-hmm. it still felt like it could lose about 10 minutes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And that's my last dislike. Do you have any feelings about that? No, I, I agree. It certainly could have lost a little bit of time if uh, it wasn't going to do more with it. Um, again, similar to Exterminating Angel. But, mm. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Exterminating Angel could have lost probably, what was it, hour 20 something? I think it could have lost oh, maybe an uh, hour uh, of it. Uh, uh, that's funny. That's funny. Glass <laughs> 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 Onion could have lost, could have definitely. I know I said it could you have really been 40 minutes shorter. Hate it could have been Onion. three hours shorter. It could have been three hours shorter. <laughs> Negative. Like remove all the yeah, trailers negative. from the internet. Like all the features. Like Ryan Johnson owes us half an hour of his life. What what do you like Ryan Johnson comes to your home? I'm sorry, I owe you half an hour. What are you gonna ask from him? <laughs> uh well no, I think if he's gonna split that up, that half hour up amongst everybody in the world who I know, saw it doesn't need to be that split. Film. You get half an hour from Ryan Johnson's life. No, like half just half an hour for everybody in the world. It's gonna take him time to travel to everyone who saw that film, right? So he's going to waste a lot of money. Uh, no, and he's just, I think really I just think has to spend we, like a second with them. I think we or have a, a big crowd for five minutes. A convention. I, yeah, there I think you we go. have a convention a where it's convention. like Ryan Johnson owes you 30 minutes. So it's a 30 right. minute panel. And then I guess it's of just, him just apologizing for wasting my time or anything else. It's just like, you know, no, 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 no. This this has to be. Oh, my God. This, <laughs> this has to be penit- uh, penitent. He has to be like, no, but the penitent is Yanni. What do you want? Do you do you want me to wash your feet? Do you want. Like, do you want to punch me? Like, do you want to slap me? Like, that's all stuff. I want to hear you go into detail about how sorry you are for wasting not my time, but the time of everybody at this oh, convention. Oh, Yoni, I'm Johnson. so sorry. I, I, I messed up. I made glass onion. I know you don't like it. Anyways, final thoughts. Oh, just kidding. Um, I, well, I really like glass onion, so you can still go fuck yourself. This is this is a good one. It's worth at least one watch. It's not perfect. Uh, there's definitely a lot wrong with it, as we've discussed here. But I think for what it is, it's um, which is a very original film, which sadly is a rare thing in 2022 or now 2023. Uh, it's worth the watch. It's free right now on HBO Max. So if you want to go watch it and you have, well, it's streaming on HBO Max. If you have HBO Max, you pay for it most likely, or you leech <laughs> or, off somebody else like I do. Or you use Yanni's, <laughs> or you use Sean's account, <laughs> Yanni. Uh, go watch it. It's worth it's worth the watch. Uh, I enjoyed it for the most part, even though I'll probably never see it again. And for that reason, I'll give this one a 6.8. Okay. Okay. So, more so higher me. ranking than Sean. We suicide still busted. probably about uh, probably about on a par with uh, Indiana Jones. Not quite as good as Cat in the Hat. I not quite as good as Cat in the Hat. And on Mike par Myers, with Indiana Jones. Do you know how yeah. perplexing that is? What the <laughs> fuck are you saying right now? Probably never been uttered in the entire history of the last like twenty years, right? Jesus that that is a wholly just, original just, sentence. Just, just it's, it's wholly original in like such a stupid way. Anyways, <laughs> what are we watching? Uh, well, next hold on. Week? Okay. Before that, I had one joke I had to make uh, at some point at the very end. Anna Taylor Joy says, "I think my eyes were bigger than my stomach," and oh, out God. loud I stood up and I said, "Honey, your eyes were bigger than your stomach before." <laughs> We're all, oh, or your eyes God. were already bigger than your stomach, splice monster, something like that. You get it. She has giant eyes. They're like uh, she's like a goldfish. Okay. Uh, do you have <laughs> anything else you want to say about this woman's body features to criticize? It's really just like she has a lovely physique. She does. You know, I'm not That's going to say, say that she 
she's a talented actress. I'm I'm gonna make fun of the eyes though. I'm going to. It's like Riddick Rashawn, great great <laughs> action actor. You know, clearly a very buff dude. He's a little bit older now, so maybe he's lost some muscle mass. Uh, attractive guy. He has two thumbs on one of his hands. Yeah, I can't get around it. The two you just can't but get around know, some who, things, and that's he, okay. He can certainly get around it with the double like thumb. Dropping the photos. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, that was so <laughs> funny. What he, did. Like, he cropped the photo. <laughs> he cropped it out of his photo. It was so funny. Oh. Like you saw the rest of the hand, but the the thumb got clearly cut off in the crop and it was just the funniest thing. He's probably still self-conscious. So there's a part of me that, you know, that feels bad about making that joke about him and Anna Taylor Joy, even though she doesn't have a a proper, you know, birth deformity. (laughs) She just looks like that. Uh, Anyways, next, next time, Sean, I have decided that we will be watching, be watching the, the film, The Trial of Joan of Arc, 1962's The Trial of Joan of Arc. Uh, sorry if I hit my mic. You probably heard that future Sean recording uh, or editing this. Let me just make sure I have the right director here. I don't want to forget it. There we go. I'm pretty sure it's a Brisson film. And oh, should I do a should I do a, a drum roll on my desk so you can so you can hear it when please, you're editing this, Sean? Don't. It's it is a Brisson film. And Sean, you'll be happy with me uh, over this one because this film's only an hour and five minutes long. Ah, shit. I was, I thought this was the Passion of Joan of Arc. I'm like, you can't pick it. I like that. But I thought you knew that I like that. So you picked a different yeah. Joan of Who Arc. doesn't like who involved in any capacity in the film industry who has seen that film can dislike it. It was it's so really good. fucking good. It's so dang good. It's just shocking. 1929. That's nuts. That's what's nuts. more shocking is that it was lost for as long as it was. How long was it lost? Oh, it was I think it was rediscovered. And I'm probably going to undershoot this because I don't want to exaggerate. I'm afraid of exaggerating, but I think it might have been lost until like the 80s. You afraid of exaggerating? Wow, boy. Uh, golly gee. Mr. Non-Exaggeration himself, Yanni Bonascoto. Like, man, all your jokes are exaggerating my death or your whole thing was exaggerating how bad Andrew Taylor's joys, like how big her eyes are. That's all you did was exaggerating. And yet this, the amount of days that this film has lost or amount of years, that's where you, you draw the line in your exaggeration. Wow. Okay. Uh, okay. So I looked this up while you were doing your stupid whatever thing. Um, the fi- dryer's cut, dryer's final cut was missing until 1981. Okay. So they didn't have a copy of what was considered to be the um, the definitive version until the 80s. Okay. So I was actually, I was close. I was pretty darn close. Well, you said the 80s, so you were spot on, even though you gave yourself a whole decade wiggle room. But anyways, uh, cool. Well, I- I'm very curious what I'm going to think of this. I mean, I liked one version of Jonah Bark, but this is obviously a different film. So- We'll have to see. Do not know. Yes, we will. Maybe she makes it out of this one. <laughs> Maybe she survives. <laughs> Who knows? She says, she's, she goes to the priest and says, sir, sir, can I have a cheeseburger? And they say, oh, I guess we won't burn you at the stake. All right, here's your cheeseburger. And she walks away, scot-free. Are you done yet? It's a pretty good joke, I thought. Uh, I think, I thought it was really funny. 5.5. 5.5. Your, your, your joke ratings, folks, so you know. I'll, I'll send Johnny memes every once in a while. And he just responds back with a rating. <laughs> it's, Out of 10, yeah. it's usually pretty low. <laughs> and again, with these movies, it'll be like, he'll usually I'll be like, I'll actually send something I think he'll find funny. And he'll usually give it like a five or lower. And then the one that I'm like, okay, this is a medium. He ends up liking it a lot more than I thought. I'm like, I don't know where your head's at. You, you have weird taste, but whatever, my friend. Anyways, go fuck yourself. Well, Sean, you you go fuck yourself as well with a plate of with a plate of crinkle cut French fries. I want you to take the fries on the paper plate. I want you to roll them up into a nice little 
nice little tube, nice little cylinder. You really think they're going to stay together? And then I want together? you to remove your pants. Well, I want you to keep your hand on one end. So you, I want you to crouch down, keep your hand on one end so the French fries don't fall out. As a, I and mean, then, uh, taking taking that, that tube, uh, rolled up tube of French fries on the paper plate, I want you to place it carefully on the ground. Uh, so none of the French fries fall out, and then I want the, you to lower yourself down and commence to fuck yours, fucking yourself with those crinkle cut. I French mean, fries. it's just kind of hard because fries are kind of just too plate. soft. Um, but I guess like this is something that Google, folks. I don't want to put it on my search history, so just Google: Can you fuck yourself with crinkle cut French fries? Yanni, if you want to look have it up. the structure from the paper plate to help you, so I'll I, even I give guess. you kept catch up. But to then, lubricate. does it count? Does it count? If the outside is all paper plate, like the structure is sure, but I feel like it's got to be pure fry to count. I didn't say it had to be pure. I'm the one saying you you need to go do okay. this, and I decide what elements are included okay. in the actual process whatever. of self coitus. Whatever. Well, so uh, I'll, I'll try plate. it out. I'll try it out between now and next episode, and I'll let you know how it went. All right. Sounds good. Until then, Sean. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs>